How many of you guys ever played a $25,000 or ever seen the show $25,000 Pyramid from back in the day? Like back in the 80s, all the 80s kids are like, yeah, so uh, I think it was hosted. I think it was Dick Clark. I think he's the one who hosted it. I'm not, I can't. But anyway, <clears throat> for those of you who were born in the 90s and beyond, uh, here's how the game would go. Uh, you would get a word and then you would have to make your partner guess that word by like giving them clues and synonyms about what it was, but you couldn't say the word. So like, for instance, if I told you, uh, my word is uh, a vessel that goes on the water on windy days and has a mast, you would guess sailboat, right? Right. Right. Now you've played 20, now you know how to play the game. All right. So I want you guys to imagine this morning, we're going to play $25,000 pyramid and you have a partner who doesn't know your word, and you've got to give them clues of what the word is, and your word is the word church, okay? What sort of words would you say to them to get them to guess the word church? And remember, uh, the, the timer's going, and it's $25,000 at stake, so you got to be quick. What words? What is the low-hanging fruit? What words would you say? <laughs> I, heard, I heard a building... Worship, steeple, yeah, we've got people, uh, community, that's good. Synagogue, you would, give, you would go like other route, yeah. Uh, what else? Pews, okay, that's good, yeah, pews. Um, communion, okay. All right, so there you go. What'd you say? Sunday. Oh, <laughs> Sunday, there you go. Okay. So I'm going to give you guys, uh, you guys did pretty good. The problem is there's a few words on here that in the first century, if they were having to guess the word church, these are words that they wouldn't use. Uh, they would not use the word building or steeple. Synagogue, maybe, probably not. Communion. And we've got these words that are like leftover words that we associate with church. But the problem is the first 250 years of Christianity, these aren't the words they would use to describe church. We're going to talk about that a little bit today. So again, my name is Chris Pavola. I'm a senior pastor here at St. Mark, and it's great to be with you. If you're a guest with us today, uh, thank you for choosing to spend Sunday morning with us. Uh, We know you had a choice in what you do on your Sunday morning, so we're glad you chose to be with us. you actually picked a great day to be here. If you're, if you're just looking into this Jesus thing, you're here because somebody invited you and you're not, I'm not, I'm not so sure this whole church thing. You've tried it before. If you've ever been to church and it left a bad taste in your mouth or something seemed off or didn't connect with you, today we're actually going to talk about maybe some of the reasons why. As we talk about and we launched this series today called One Another. And in this series, we are looking at um, the, about 59 or so, one another commands that we see in the New Testament in particular, uh, in, in, in scriptures, these one another commands of doing life together. And uh, we're going to look at just a few of them, you know, love, honor, cherish, respect, uh, serve, all of these one another commands. We're going to look just a few of them over the next few weeks. And, and what I'm so excited about is this one another series is really going to get to what the tagline says there, uh, the, the church that you can't do on a Sunday morning. 
But quite honestly, in this series, we're going to be talking about the church that you can't do on a Sunday morning. And and that sounds a little bit like hyperbole or a bold statement or something like that. So let me explain kind of what I mean. Um, The most common one another command that we see in the Bible is uh, the command, unsurprisingly, to love one another. What uh, Miss Ashley was just talking about, love one another. About 19, 16, 19 times we see this command, love one another, in the New Testament. And the first person to actually give the command, as you would expect, is Jesus. So in John's biography, he's uh, it, the night before Jesus is arrested, John records that Jesus is talking to his closest followers, giving them instructions, and then he says these words. These are his parting words, like, you know, like really important. Remember this, guys, and here's what he says to them. A new command I give you, love one another, just as I have loved you. And so when he says that, you think about, well, how has Jesus loved us? Okay, he's always serving us. He's forgiving us. He's showing compassion, inclusion. He's always putting other people first and himself second. Makes a lot of sense. So just as he is, and he's laid down his life, right? So just as Jesus has loved us, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my followers, that you are my people, my disciples, If you love one another. So Peter, John, you guys love each other. After I'm gone, you guys love each other. And let the world see how you love each other. Take care of each other. And then by this, people will know you're my disciples. Okay, cool. So let's play another $25,000 pyramid. And this time, instead of guessing the word church... Let's guess that the category was one another, the one another commands, and our word that we need people to guess is this word love. And if you want to zoom in on the camera, you can get really tight on this shot here. Uh, For people who are watching online, they can see. Um, Love. You got to get your partner to guess the word love. What sort of things would you say to them to get them to guess that word? Caring. Okay, that's good. What did you guys say over here? Heart, okay, heart, yep. Okay, that's good. What else? Devotion, that's good. Devotion, marriage. Let's just check that one up with with devotion, but yeah, that's good. Uh, The opposite of hate, you would say the opposite of hate. The opposite of hate. I like encourage, whoever said that, that was good. Anything else? Cherish. Cherish. I think someone, no one said the word I want to say, but I'm playing too. Serve. Okay. All right. Now, my friends, how can you do any of these words right now? I mean, one another. Peter, John, you guys love one another. Well, how can you do that right now on a Sunday morning? How are you supposed to be devoted to the person sitting in the far corner over there? How are you supposed to serve the person who's sitting in the front row over here? How are you honestly supposed to do that? And all of these one another commands that we're going to go through in the series, you can't do them on a Sunday morning. Look at us. Look at what we're doing. 
I mean, just like if you knew nothing about Christianity and you looked at the architecture of this building, you would guess that all of the action doesn't happen out there. You're, you're oriented in position that all the action is somewhere up here on the elevated platform, separated from all of you common people. It's something up here. This is where the action happens. Because you're all positioned. You're all sitting in rows, facing forward, listening to a monologue. How are you supposed to do any of these one another's right now? You can't. And that's why in this series we're talking about the church that you can't do on a Sunday morning. Now, uh, Mr. Grant, I'm going to ask you to come take this whiteboard here so I don't kick it during the middle of uh, the sermon. But uh, th- that's what we're going to be talking about during this series. And, and you're all sitting in rows facing forward, but in the first 250 years of Christianity, this is not what the church looked like. If you told them to describe the word church, they wouldn't say any of those words, right? The word church, I've said this before, but it bears repeating. The word church, that anytime you're reading your Bible and you see it on there in black and white, that's actually the word ecclesia. Okay, so ecclesia. The problem is it's not a noun. It's not a place. It's not a building. The word ecclesia is a verb, and it means to gather, to gather And so, like, when Jesus says, wherever two or three are gathered in my name, there I am with them. It's a verb, not a a building, not a location. It's this thing you do with one another. And how did they do church? Well, they didn't have a church building. If they did build a church building, it would have been burnt down, and everybody inside would have been rounded up and imprisoned or worse. It was really dangerous to be a follower of Jesus. So how do they do church? Well, under the cover of darkness, they would, they would wake up very early on a Sunday morning, under the cover of darkness, go to somebody else's house who dared to host people in their home. And while they were in the house, they would get together and, and, and they, would, they didn't have a Bible to read. So they would talk about how the resurrection had changed their life. And they would recite scripture that they had memorized or creeds. They'd pray. And if they sang, they would sing with a whisper because they didn't want to be heard by and wake the neighbors and be found out. And then as the sun was rising, they would leave and make their way back home. That was church. They didn't sit in rows. They sat in circles. They, they, they didn't face forward. They faced one another. They didn't have monologues and performance. They had dialogues, conversation. It was personal, not performance. It was dramatically, dramatically different. I say this a lot, um, and it's kind of a word salad, so I'll I'll repeat it, but I just think it's a really profound thought. You and I were born closer to the Revolutionary War then the Apostle Paul was born to the construction of the first church building. You and I were born closer to the Revolutionary War and the invention of the light bulb than the Apostle Paul was to the construction of the first church building that looked like this. 
But for the first 250 years of Christianity, when it grew its most, they met in homes with one another. And now some of you are sitting there thinking, well, how did we get here? How did it get to look like this if it started out like that? What, what happened? And that's actually a fantastic question to be asking. How did we get to look like this? How did this become what we call church? And, and, and it's important to learn the history of how we got here because, right, if you don't know your history, you're doomed to repeat it. But also, we need to understand what's working against any kind of change that we want to make. If we're going to be a church that wants to one another one another, we've got to make some changes. And to do so, we have to be aware of the culture that is working against any of the changes we try to make. And so it's important to talk about the history. So in 313 AD, so 313, so um, like 300 years after the birth of Jesus, there's a Roman emperor named Constantine. And um, Constantine, good-looking guy there, there's a statue for him. Uh, he he uh, looked around and he realized that Christianity just kept on growing. And his predecessor emperors, well, they outlawed Christianity. They rounded up Christians. They martyred them. They yeah, martyred them. Uh, and it was bloody and it was brutal. And thousands and thousands of Christians were martyred. But he realized this wasn't working because the harder they pushed against Christianity, the more it seemed to grow. And it was really hard to figure out how many there were because they were all meeting in homes. But he had a hunch there were millions. And he was right. And he realized there's so many Christians, Constantine realized it was now politically advantageous for him to do so, he could make Christianity the official religion of Rome. Not just legalize it, but make Rome a Christian nation. And overnight, the Jesus movement went from a group of followers following Jesus to an organized religion. And it is impossible to overstate how cataclysmic this change was in 313 AD. Because Christianity forever was changed. I'm going to give you a few examples of how. All of the pagan Roman temples that were built to people like Zeus and Mercury and Venus and Saturn, you can still go visit these temples today. All of these temples were still good temples and we're now a Christian religion or a Christian nation. So Constantine just said, well, we're going to repurpose these temples. They're good temples. And all the temples that were to Zeus and Apollo and all these people were now Jesus temples. And they looked like this. Long corridors, pillars on the side, where you sat in rows or you stood in rows and faced forward and watched the professionals up on an elevated platform do their thing in the sacred space. And when he built churches, he built them in the style of the Greco-Roman basilicas. And this is what they looked like. They didn't look like living rooms. They didn't look like dining rooms. The table was up here in the special place. But he kept on going. Choirs. Choirs in these temples that used to sing to like, you know, Zeus or Apollo or Saturn or whoever. Up in a loft. Well, now they would sing songs about Jesus. And the choirs, those were the professionals. And they actually made a rule outlawing any kind of singing among the people. That was reserved for the professionals. 
And it wasn't until 1,200 years later, a monk, a German monk named Martin Luther, wrestled singing away from the grips of the pontificate Maximus, the title of this emperor, Pope, he wrestled singing away from them and brought singing back to the people. And we became a singing church again. But the choir sang the songs. Priestly garbs. You see, all these Roman priests serving in these pagan temples would wear special long white robes with colored sashes to distinguish them from the plebeians, from the common people. And they'd wear these colored robes and they would perform their priestly duties in behalf of the people, offering sacrifices to Zeus or Apollo, whoever it might be. And so Constantine said, well, we need everyone to understand these are the special, these are the pastors, these are the priests, these are the bishops, these are the popes. So all of the priests would wear these long white robes with colored sashes to distinguish them from the ordinary people. So there's the bishop, there's the priest. There's the Pope. That's a practice you can still see today. And what angered Martin Luther so much about this is Jesus taught, and the New Testament teaches thoroughly, in the priesthood of all believers. You can intercede to God for anyone in this room, just like a priest would. It's a priesthood of all believers, not this special person who's got unique and special access to God. Fast forward 1,200 years and the German word Kirche, which is the German word for like a meeting house, becomes the word for what we call church. And now you are gathered here on a Sunday morning in church, sitting in rows, in pews, listening to me give a speech. Winston Churchill famously said, we build our buildings, afterwards they build us. And he's right. And so if you've ever been to church and has felt detached and disconnected, if you've ever been to church and you felt like they were talking about a personal relationship with Jesus and you just don't understand it, if you've ever been to church and God talked about how God is with us and yet God still seems distant to you, still seems far away to you, if you've ever felt like something cold and distant about Christianity, might I suggest it has to do with the way we worship on Sunday morning. We're separated from God, who's with us. Now, I am not saying, I'm going to be very careful here. So listen, if I've angered some of you in the room, please listen, okay? Just press pause in all of your rage against Pastor Chris right now. I'm not saying we should stop doing this. Scripture is clear we should preach. Scripture is clear we should worship God in the sanctuary and gather with God's people. But it shouldn't come at the expense of one another. They shouldn't come at the expense of one another. And so I'm not saying we should stop doing what we're doing, but I am saying we have to start doing church differently that you can't do on a Sunday morning. And that's why I'm really excited to talk about small groups. I'm going to invite Kelly to come on up here. Uh, it, it, 
Small groups is something that we've been working really hard on. It's something we are absent of and missing here at St. Mark. And I'm really excited to be talking about it today. We've been working hard for months. And um, I, I realize this is such a big undertaking for the church. Uh, you know, who I need somebody who really understands everybody in the church. And it just so happens our president uh, was finishing up her term. And I thought, you know, I got a job for you. And she, you know, and so I guilted her into this. Uh, we need to unmute this here, brother. There you go. Um, and so Kelly has t- decided to take on the role, and I'm grateful for that, to be our small groups director. So can we thank her for taking on that undertaking? And so I, I, when I say small groups, uh, there's a whole lot of ideas that come into your guys' mind about what this could mean. And we thought, okay, let's just, no time like the president, no better time than any. Let's just describe what and answer all of your logistical who, how, and what does it look like questions of what we mean when we mean small groups here at St. Mark. So, uh, Kelly, first thing, what will we do in a small group? What does that look like? And while she's talking, the QR code is going to be behind her. You can scan that to get registered, and there's also a QR code in your bulletin. But what does it look like? Well, we're going to gather, right, just like we talked about. We're going to gather in small groups. Um, it, we're going to have coffee. We're going to laugh. Uh, you might serve your community, um, and then we are going to have discussions uh, about Jesus in our everyday lives. It's really that easy. Yeah. And we're meeting in homes and all that kind of stuff. Okay. So wait a minute. Uh, what if I don't know a lot about the Bible or what if uh, I don't know the answer to the question that the leader guy asks me? <laughs> sure. Um, well, because the small groups are discussion based and not fill in the blank, uh, it's different than a Bible study or memorization. Again, it's all discussion based. So regardless of how familiar you are with the Bible, how comfortable you are with the Bible, um, you are absolutely able to participate in a small group. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Okay. Uh, so kind of some logistical things like how long is a group? How long will a group last, you know, in terms of the calendar year, but also in a day. And then like, what if I'm really busy and I don't know my Wednesday or my Tuesday and kind sure. of speak to some of that logistic stuff. Okay. I'm going to try to answer all of those. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we are going to kick off small groups here in September, uh, and we're going to run the small group ministry uh, annually, but each year from September to May. Uh, and so we, um, and then the, the following year, we'll kind of mix things up and, and you'll get to meet new people in new small groups. Yep. Uh, each small group, uh, we would ask that you meet a minimum of once a month. Of course, you can meet more frequently than that if you'd like as a group, um, but just at least once a month um, to follow the discussion guide, which we didn't talk about that quite yet, but we will here in a minute. Um, when you meet, I don't know, maybe an hour, hour and a half, um, would be plenty of time to go through the discussion guide and share with one another, with yep. one another. What, are you, uh, what is the discussion guide and like, what yeah. does that look like? So again, um, you know, uh, the discussion guides will be written by our pastors. Um, and so those will follow along with the weekly sermon or the sermon series. Uh, so when you gather together uh, with one another, <laughs> you will be able to follow um, along with the, the series. So um, small is a relative term. How big is small? And then like, how will you decide what group uh, Tom is in, for instance, like how you would, well, forget Tom, but like how you decide uh, what group people are going to be in. 
Uh, so groups will be a maximum of 10 people. So, you know, we want you to be able to gather and, and everybody contribute to discussion. Um, so, you know, maybe six to 10 people somewhere around in that age or range. We are, um, tar- we are planning to put small groups together based on age groups uh, so that when you get together with you, your group, you can discuss uh, Jesus in your lives and um, the same life stage with one another. Yep. And that's huge. I mean, like, yeah. And there's, but there's, there's also wisdom to pass on and stuff. So it's not just really strict for ages, but there is like, that's kind of our starting yeah, kind of for, groups. Yeah, putting groups together. Uh, let's see. And then we, we talked about, well, who leads a group and where will I go kind of thing? Sure. So um, with the QR code and also on the back of your, um, your, Bulletin. Bulletin today. Uh, You can sign up for a small group. Uh, We are still seeking some leaders of the small groups. uh, And as a host or a leader of the small group, you are hosting folks in your home. Um, You're coordinating... um, the communication, scheduling, maybe, uh, and just really hosting that discussion. Uh, so, yeah, we just encourage you when you do fill out uh, interest, if you would like to be a host, um, please put that on your form. Awesome. My bride of 18 years was poised, pointing at kids and saying, what do we do for kids? <laughs> uh, so, like, talk a little bit. Like, if I have kids, how am I going to do Yeah, part of so... Um, because it's discussion based, and of course we want you know to be to be able to be focused and have the discussion. Um, we do ask that groups that have a lot of children uh, make other arrangements. Uh, and actually, I even had someone after the first ser- uh, service approach me with some ideas on that. So, um, if you are a group in the life stage that you have young children, um, you would just as a group kind of decide how to how to do that. Maybe you chip in, and um, I'll use a, a babysitter that week. Mm-hmm. Right. You guys can get creative. Just like you get creative with the nights that you meet, you can also get creative with how to take care of kids and stuff like that. So um, any other questions, big questions you guys have all, I mean, since, you know, church is supposed to be about us having a conversation. Uh, any other big questions that you guys have for Kelly or for, about small groups uh, that she hasn't touched on? Any big, so save me from emails later on. Okay. Very good. Can you guys thank Kelly? Thank you so much. She'll be in the lobby afterwards. You can ask her questions and if you have any thoughts about that. So uh, here's, here's why I'm really excited about this, uh, my friends. We just, our mission, at, well, first of all, we have a, a vision as a church to grow smaller as we grow larger. We're growing. We have to grow smaller to keep those relationships so, so that you feel like you connect with people on a Sunday morning. We have to. Uh, but, but also our mission is we lay down our lives so as many as possible experience Jesus. That's our mission. And and everything we do is an opportunity for you to experience Jesus in some way, shape, or form. And I believe that is true in small groups. If you remember back in the last series, we talked about how you speak with Jesus through conversation in small groups. And that means, my friends, that there is an experience of, with Jesus waiting for you in small groups. And I'll say it even differently. You experience Jesus in a small group unlike anywhere else. And if you're missing this in your faith life, you're missing out on something that Jesus is offering and a promise that he made. Wherever two or three are gathered, there I am among you. And so I hope that you take up this opportunity to to join a small group and to discover what it's like to do church when we gather with one another.